on the next Hidden Legal Figures. Plessy versus Ferguson, 1896. Browder versus Gale, 1956. Although they were decided 60 years apart, these two cases have a great deal in common. Of the two, Plessy is probably more well known than Browder. After the abandonment of Reconstruction, the nation began to commit itself to a new concept called separate but equal. The 14th Amendment to the Constitution had been adopted in 1868 as a measure of establishing citizenship for the newly emancipated. And while it did guarantee the equal protection of the laws, no one was ready to embrace the possibility of it meeting the equal provision of the laws. So the nation began to arrange itself socially along the custom of keeping a distance between the two. And one major setting for that distance was on the trains, which quickly became the focal point of state legislative activity. In 1890, Louisiana adopted what it called the Withdraw Car Act, requiring equal but separate accommodations for black and white passengers. Sitting in the wrong section in violation of the law was a misdemeanor, and you could be punished with a fine of $25 or 20 days in jail. Louis Andre Martinet, a lawyer and newspaper publisher, established the Citizens Committee to challenge the law. In fact, Martinet is the first person to use the phrase test case. The committee quickly organized its first test case. Daniel Desdune, the son of one of the committee's co-founders, bought a first-class ticket to go from New Orleans to Montgomery, Alabama. But the Supreme Court had already ruled in another case that the Withdrawal Car Act did not apply to interstate travel when passengers were going from state to state. And so the committee knew it needed another case, one that only dealt with passengers traveling within the state. And that's when they found Homer Plessy. On June 7, 1892, Homer Adolph Plessy bought a first-class ticket on the East Louisiana Railroad from New Orleans to Covington, and the case was on its way to the Supreme Court. And in 1896, the High Court said separate but equal was constitutional. The law gave force to the custom, and the custom took on greater force. Every nook and cranny of American life, North, South, East, and West, ignored the spirit of the 14th Amendment mocked the meaning of a more perfect union, and separated itself from its all-are-created-equal claim. Two of everything became the way of life, one for whites and another for blacks. Separate areas to sit in public restaurants, separate doors to enter and exit in public theaters, separate restrooms, separate schools, and separate seats on public buses. And that was the way of life for the 106,000 citizens that called Montgomery, Alabama home in the 1950s. This way of life produced other stark differences as well. For example, the average annual income for a white family was $1,730, whereas for blacks it was 970. There were 144 physicians and surgeons who were white, and only three black doctors, 43 white dentists, and one black dentist. There was one black pharmacist and 62 white pharmacists. Things were a little different when it came to religion. There were 95 white ministers to preach the gospel to the white congregations and 92 Negro preachers to tend to the souls of black folk. 
And if the 63,600 white citizens ever needed a lawyer, they had 189 to choose from. There were only two lawyers for the 42,400 Negro citizens. By the 1940s, Alabama had a separate seating law just like Louisiana did. Like most southern states, Alabama had maintained the legal system of segregating its public transportation based on race. Plessy had been determined invalid by the Brown v. Board of Education case in 1954, at least in public education. So despite Brown, Alabama state law continued the practice of demanding at all times equal but separate accommodations for white and colored races on its buses, separate waiting rooms, separate ticket windows, and separate seating. And the law gave the bus driver the authority to assign passengers to designated areas based on race. Violation of the law was a misdemeanor carrying a fine of not more than $500. The Montgomery City Ordinance went a little further. It gave the bus driver the powers of a police officer, which is what made it unlawful for any person to refuse to take the seat they were assigned. And Alabama Negro citizens, as African Americans were called in the 1950s, had a group to challenge the law, just like in Louisiana. The group was called the Montgomery Improvement Association, and its lawyer, Fred Gray, just like Louis Andre Martinet, was about to lead a legal effort where the back of the bus would take a front seat. When I was growing up in this city, in the 40s and 50s, uh, there were two basic professions that young African-American males would be considered well-respected. One is a preacher, and two is a teacher. So I made a secret commitment that I kept secret for about 40 years, and that is I was not only going to be a preacher, but I was going to become a lawyer. Well, I didn't know any lawyers, but I understood lawyers rendered service and they could help to solve the problems and everything was completely segregated at the time. So my commitment was finish law school, come back to Alabama, take the bar exam, become a lawyer and destroy everything segregated I could find. One, we've got to get the message out. And there were more people that go to church on Sunday mornings. So we need to get the black preachers involved. If we can get them involved and they make an announcement at that church so that the people will stay off the bus on Monday, that will be fine. Secondly, we concluded that if we're going to tell people to stay off of the buses, we need to have somebody to serve as a spokesman for them. Everybody can't talk. And the question is, who should that person be? So she said, why don't we get my pastor, Dr. Martin Luther King, haven't been here long, haven't been involved in any civil rights activities, but there's one thing he can do. He can move people with words. I said, well, that's the man we need. Exactly what we had planned in Joanne Robinson's living room took place. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was selected to be the spokesman, and the young lawyer just out of law school was selected as the 
lawyer for the movement in charge of the legal activities. That's how I became involved in it, and that's how the Montgomery bus boycott got started. In partnership with the National Center for Civil and Human Rights, the Arc of Justice Institute is developing a traveling exhibit to recognize the heroic and vital contributions of lawyers and judges made to the civil rights movement. Under the Color of Law will premiere in February 2021. To learn more, visit www.onthearc.net. Do you want to book the Hidden Legal Figures podcast for a live event hosted by attorney Derek Alexander Pope? Visit www.onthearc.net.